the Trailblazers podcast brought to you by the Golden Key University of Johannesburg student chapter. Hi everyone and welcome back to the second episode of the Trailblazers podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Manchalika Suknanden, and I'm a Golden Key UJ student chapter member and an electrical and electronics engineering student. And joining us for this episode is Mr. Mitch Thurston. Hello, everyone. As stated, my name is Mitch Thurston. I am a second year electrical engineering student at the University of Johannesburg. I am a part of the EXA student chapter and the SCI student chapter at the University of Johannesburg. I'm a part of several other organizations and endeavors outside of the university. Uh, Many of them I'm very excited about as they are community engagement or charity organizations. I'm very pleased to be here and I'm excited for the invitation to this podcast. Thank you again. Thank you, Mitch, for joining us. You have quite quite a colorful portfolio of societies and projects under your belt. And it would be exciting to talk about all of these endeavors that you are a part of. Um, I'm particularly interested in SAI and EXA because they are part of the university. Firstly, what are SAI and EXA about? And which of the projects that you're currently working on are the most exciting or the most riveting or something that interests you the most? Okay, well, SAI is essentially the South African Institute of Electrical Engineers. Um, Basically, they are a group of engineers in South Africa. It's an organization or an institute rather. Uh, Their main goal is to represent the electrical engineers in South Africa. Anybody can be a part of it, especially in the engineering uh, community. And the SAI UJ student chapter is essentially a group of students who is a part of the, that institute, the SAI Institute. And the main goal of the SAI UJ student chapter is to allow the students to essentially get a feel for the industry and basically be exposed to, you know, the industry in itself. Whether or not that's, you know, professional ways to portray yourself or to act in certain ways, exposure, networking opportunities... It's very exciting and it's great to get you ready for, you know, life after the degree, which is something that not a lot of people put into, especially as early as first year. It kind of feels like you're going to be in university for a while. So this kind of reminds you of where exactly you're going and what you're aiming for, which is why I enjoy being a part of it. The EXA student chapter. So what EXA is, is the Engineering Council of South Africa. This is the governing body that makes sure that, you know, the rules and regulations and the code of ethics when it comes to what's expected of us as engineers in South Africa to make sure that those rules and regulations and the code of ethics are maintained so that we maintain the global standard as well. So that way that we are recognized internationally as worthy of the title of engineer or that our degree is at the very least recognized. What we're about at the EXA student chapter is similar to SAI in the sense that we want to expose people to industry, but it can be any sort of engineer, to be honest with you, and even non-engineering students, honestly, because we try to get other students involved as well, because it's a multifaceted student chapter. We require many skills. You know, we've got a treasury department, we've got uh, a marketing and social media department, so Even if you're not an engineering student, honestly, if you want the opportunity to be able to, um, how do I say this, manage social media accounts, if you want the opportunities to, you know, work with our treasury uh, sector in our student chapter, 
you're more than welcome to, you know, reach out to us. Uh, the main thing, though, is at this extra student chapter, for the engineering students at the very least, is exposure to a lot of these projects because it gives you practical skills that you might not quite receive in your degree. For example, uh, some, of the, some of the projects that we do have are the solar car project, the hydrogen car project, we've got an aeronautical project, a rocketry project, uh, we also have a Baja project, um, I believe there are a few other projects here and there, but those are our main ones. And all of them are interesting in the sense that they all require completely different skills and all of them are exciting. It's good to get the sort of feel and the sort of practical experience for these things at a university level. And the thing I find most interesting about it, honestly, is the competitions, because we participate in national and international competitions and seeing the communities that come out for uh, for solar car projects, for solar car events, it's interesting and it's and it's exhilarating to say the least, honestly. So I'd say the most interesting project from the Excel side, definitely, would have to be the solar car project, in my opinion. It requires the most skill, which also means that it also provides the most skill and the most experience to our members. And that's what I love most. From first year, I was always interested in it. And from second year, I was a full member of the student chapter. And the things that you're exposed to are interesting to say the least. I honestly think that it's completely changed a lot of how I approach my course because I think sometimes when you're doing this course it kind of feels like its own job in a sense. Like studying feels like its own job a lot of the time. But these projects honestly remind me of what I'm striving for. You know, why should I do well in my academics? You know, it reminds me of what I'm heading for. And the solar car is one of the most intricate projects that we have, which is why it's also the most interesting. So I'd say in terms of the university projects that I'm a part of, the solar car would have to be the most exciting. In terms of my outside of university um, experience and projects, the one I'm most excited about now is I'm a part of a, of a movement or an organization that's trying to help people in certain areas who might not have certain, uh, how do I say this, certain basics, such as education, you know, exposure to government funding for a lot of the things that they'd like to do in those communities. Uh, we are currently aiming at Coxted for now. Uh, the main thing about it there is the fact that there's a large population or a large group of people who belong to the uh, to the Griqua or are recognized as part of the Griqua community in South Africa. And it's very interesting to be able to work with those communities because, you know, you're helping people, you know, get an education, you're helping people um, reach their potential in a sense. But the most interesting thing about it, in my opinion, is learning about the culture and the history behind all of it, because especially with the Griqua uh, culture and the Griqua history itself, I feel like a lot of it has been lost in a sense, and a lot of it, it isn't as mainstream or as well-known as some of the other history. And working with these communities and working with these people is so interesting because you learn things, and I consider myself a bit of a, of a history buff. I find it interesting, to say the least. Learning about these communities and learning about their history is in itself so interesting. So I'd say in terms of what I do outside of the university, that would have to be my favorite project at the moment, definitely. I also have the same sort of 
outlook when it comes to the hydrogen and solar car in that it gives uh, it allows students to develop their technical skills and it balances out academics and real life experience and as you said you get to network interact with other people and also it's a reminder of uh, what there is outside of university and how our skills can actually be applicable in a real life setting you know you've mentioned your activities outside of the university i think it's great to also develop your social awareness and be reminded of uh, your social responsibility as a young uh, engineering student and future engineer so it's good to have that balance between all those aspects of academics and uh, extracurricular activities so how do you manage to stay focused and keep on track when it comes to studying towards such a technical and demanding degree that is definitely uh, an interesting question it's one that i uh, receive from time to time so in terms of staying focused i'm not going to lie to you as any student knows it is quite a daunting task sometimes to stay focused to stay motivated um i'd say the one thing that i do to stay focused is it's good to have this boundary between your social life or your outside life versus your university life who you are as a student might not determine who you are as an individual there are many things and there are many ways that we act on campus there's certain things that we do you know on campus but who you are outside is often quite a different person so so for example with me i found that in first year there were quite a lot of things that i had dropped from my personal life you know hobbies interests there were so many things that i lost because you know honestly the course for anybody and this isn't just for the engineering students this is for everybody every degree is challenging every degree takes it out of you at the end of the day and the truth is that when your course leaves you drained and when you don't have much uh, you know to do at the end of the day you start to lose yourself in the degree and it becomes the first thing you think of when you wake up the last thing you think of before you go to sleep and it definitely is a very important aspect of your life but i find that if you lose yourself in that course you lose a lot of yourself and so with me i found that if you have that boundary between your personal life and your academic life it's very helpful because when you're focusing on the studies you don't feel overwhelmed all the time because i know this for a fact i used to feel overwhelmed quite often because you when you eat sleep and basically even dream um about your course you know everything revolves around your course it's the first thing and the last thing and it's everything in between you almost feel like it's never ending you know you feel like it's always there it's a very it's a very how do i say this it's a very heavy presence in your life having that boundary though where you say to yourself you know i'm done with my work i'm done uh, or i'm ahead of my work you know if you get to that point ever or sometimes there's even moments where you're not finished with your work but you aren't thinking straight and the quality of your work goes down it's good to be able to take that time out breathe and just say i'm going to go for a walk i'm going to do something that i enjoy because i find that having that balance actually makes you a better student it doesn't just improve your mental health it improves your academic work it improves a lot more than you know am i feeling okay because how you feel directly impacts how you work so in my opinion in all honesty as much as some people will be like keep pushing just keep on working it's good to work hard 
but boundaries are certainly a very important part of life that I think a lot of us overlook, which explains the mental health issues in a lot of the students. It explains a lot of the, the dropout rates. It explains, you know, the, the people who are doing the best in their course, you'll see a lot of them and they are content with who they are and what they do. And I feel like that is the feeling that you should be chasing. Once you're content with who you are and what you're doing and who you are outside of this course, because it doesn't develop your personality, it doesn't develop who you are. So you find a lot of people who put everything into this course and they become unfinished people, always wanting more. And it becomes very difficult to cope with that. You have a lot of people who might be doing well in their course, but are still struggling with mental health issues. So in all honesty, the well-rounded approach, in my opinion, will always be the best. You know, maintain who you are and maintain your academic life. And, you know, the greater the boundary between the two, you know, saying I'm not going to think about marks or my course or something like that during certain hours or during certain activities, I think that's fine. You know, as long as it's not impacting your, your, your deadlines or anything like that, it's very important to have those limits. I definitely agree. I mean, I've had the same experience as well, where I there was a great imbalance between how much is how much of time I spent on academics versus how much of time I spent on everything else, and of course, it is a major part of my life. So of course, I will always prioritize that, and most of my focus will go to that or towards that. Um, but too much of it, as you say, like a well-balanced approach is best. So it doesn't kill off your passion as well, because when you focus too much on it. It, it definitely weighs you down and um, it has an adverse effect instead of, uh, instead of improving your performance. Absolutely. So definitely uh, self-development and a well-balanced approach are the way to go. So considering all of that, there are so many fields of study, so many um, specialities within engineering that one can go into. And the university has really pushed forward the fourth industrial revolution, especially with the pandemic uh, coming about last year and us having to move to online learning and all of that. How relevant do you think the fourth industrial revolution is in South Africa, especially since, uh, you know, the implementation of load shedding by ESCOM? Uh, lots of people are quite uh, apprehensive about or critical of the fourth industrial revolution because, you know, we're dealing with uh, service delivery issues when it comes to a uh, distribution of electricity. Uh, how do you think we can push forward the fourth industrial revolution and do you think it is re um, relevant in South Africa? That is a great question. Um, I think it's something that not a lot of people debate. Um, I don't think it's a topic exactly to be debated, but I definitely believe that there is a bit of a yes and a bit of a no in that answer. Uh, so for those uh, listeners who might not be completely aware of what the fourth industrial revolution is or what it exactly entails, uh, the fourth industrial revolution, much like the others, is basically a great breakthrough or a great time of, uh, you know, the acceleration of the development of technology at a given time. And this one specifically is centered around automation and AI, which, you know, can encompass a lot of things including cloud computing and quite a lot of other advancements in technology. And the main thing there is, you know, is South Africa ready for it? Um, and in my opinion, I think with certain aspects, maybe not. 
So automation is fantastic, you know, in, in many ways. It makes work more efficient. It makes production a lot faster. With South Africa in the current situation it's in now, in terms of our unemployment rate, I don't know how relevant automation would be, especially with, you know, job creation being such a difficult, uh, quite a difficult struggle in South Africa. I definitely have to say that automation might not be the most relevant at this time. I think if we're automating things that might not be possible for humans, there are quite a lot of technologies that are being developed in terms of going into hostile areas, you know, very hostile areas in terms of extreme heats or um, noxious gases or extreme depths of exploring the ocean. When it comes to that, maybe, but in terms of production line automation, I don't believe that it'll help. It'll help South Africa's economy, but whether or not it'll help the people of South Africa is a much different question. And whether or not this is going to improve the quality of life in every or in most of the lives of South African people, automation might not be, in certain aspects, the best solution. But in terms of AI and cloud computing, I definitely have to say yes, because there are a lot of areas in South Africa where we need to work on our infrastructure and we need to work on, you know, getting the basic necessities to other people. You know, supply of water, supply of electricity. Uh, a frightening uh, statistic that came out during load shedding that I found quite odd was that as of 2021, there is still a 15%, there's still 15% of the country who has never had access to electricity. There's 15% of the country who's never had electricity at all, you know. So that is quite frightening. So I think in terms of AI and cloud computing, when it comes to, it doesn't just involve, you know, computerized things. It involves planning and, in a certain way, also schematics with AI. It also helps you plan or model the most efficient ways to implement certain, uh, certain projects. So the interesting thing about this is that if we are using all of this technology, even along the lines of the automation, to get the basic needs to a lot of the South African people, I believe that would certainly be the greatest, the greatest contribution of the fourth industrial revolution. I feel like if it's used by big corporations, I feel like that is a very tough, that's a very tough topic to debate. But in terms of the everyday people, you know, getting the necessities to the relevant areas, I'd say, I hope, and I believe it can be utilized in those areas. So I hope that it will be. And if that is the case, I believe it will be relevant. Definitely. I mean, you've mentioned the difference between, you know, helping our economy versus helping the people in our country. And I think, well, I hope that with the advancement of technology that it benefits people who need it and it doesn't actually make the situation worse where the gap between those who benefit and those who are living below or at the poverty line are uh, stay there you know because uh, that's happened over time where um, some of us have benefited and uh, many people haven't I mean that's a shocking statistic that 15 percent of people in South Africa still don't have electricity. Um, so considering that there's so much that, and it's quite a daunting task 
ahead of young aspiring engineers, what would your advice to them be um, when it comes to picking a speciality, uh, when it comes to making it through a degree and studying further? I'd say in terms of advice to the aspiring engineers, um, even the, the newly hired or the newly graduated engineers, I'd say the one thing that you learn from industry is basically from the people that we collaborate with, the people that we speak to, and the people who are constantly giving us advice. The main thing that I take away most of the time is never stop learning. And I believe that this can be utilized by anybody in any field. I honestly believe that the world is constantly changing and we all know that you know technology keeps on getting better and certain skills that used to be unique in the past aren't as relevant or as rare as they used to be. If you look back 10 years ago, you know, being proficient in Microsoft Excel and Microsoft Word, that used to be CV or resume worthy. You know, it's like I'm capable of, you know, creating documents and creating data sheets and spreadsheets. And nowadays it's become so common that most of the time people don't even note down I'm, you know, computer literate. It's become so common in the workplace that what was once a skill or a noteworthy skill has now become commonplace and it's become unnoteworthy again. And it's become very difficult for a lot of people to stay relevant in the workplace. So my main piece of advice to everybody is constantly learn. You have to stay on top of your field. Whatever's happening, whatever new technologies, whatever new apps, whatever new formulas, whatever new technologies coming out in general, you have to stay on top of that. And one of the things, you know, it starts as early as university because, you know, what's different between you and the person next to you in your lectures or the person next to them and so on and so forth. And in that sense, I think it's always important to stay relevant and learn things that, you know, if you have the time and if you can, in all honesty, it's a worthwhile investment. Because that is what it is. It's an investment into your future and into your future career. So, for example, when the university, you know, allowed us to register on Coursera for free, a lot of the people that I know from these projects and from these, uh, from my course as well, a lot of them signed up for these free Coursera courses because, you know, we need those CV points. We need those skills. You need to be more relevant than the person sitting next to you. And if they have this piece of advice and they also become trying to become more relevant than you, that means you have to constantly work. And that's how it is a lot of the time in many areas. And from personal experience in the engineering degree, you know, there are a lot of people who are constantly trying to outdo you. They are trying to be, you know, they're trying to gain more skills, you know, learning every coding language, learning every skill, learning anything that can, you know, make them, put them high up on the, you know, on the waiting list for a job than you. And I think it's very interesting because it keeps the, the workplace very dynamic. So it's definitely in your best interest, for sure, to want to stay relevant in the workplace. These skills might not just help with, with your job acquisitions. It could literally help you with something like your self-worth. Like, for example, there are certain courses that I've done on Coursera, not because they might be the most relevant CV-related um, courses to do, but in all honesty, some of them I did because I enjoyed the topics. And having learned those skills, I definitely have a little bit more confidence in myself, having learned those skills for myself. Because it isn't just about your degree at the end of the day. Don't forget to take that time to also learn something that you might want to learn. 
keep that in mind all of the time. Try to stay relevant to the world, but also trying to try to build the person that you want to be. I agree with that. And as much as you, I mean, you've said a whole lot and you do come across as very knowledgeable and confident in your approach when it comes to studying and diversifying your skill set. But I also do want to put out there, um, it's okay to not know what you're doing as well. You know, um, at this stage, especially as an undergraduate, I think a lot of time is spent learning how to learn, learning how to study, learning how to further your knowledge base and learn new skill sets along the way. So I think, you know, right now at this moment, it's okay not to like certain things. It's okay to um, develop uh, your likes and dislikes as you go along. And at this stage, I do think a lot of us are learning how to learn as well as developing our skill sets. And as this episode comes to a close, is there anything... Uh, you'd like to ask me or anything further you'd like to discuss? That is an interesting um, take on that. And uh, just to comment on the last thing that you said, I completely agree. Like, because we're all constantly learning, the first thing that you learn in first year that really helps you with your nerves and everything else like that is learning that everybody else, even up to fourth year or beyond, None of us know what we're doing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, we're all learning. We're all clueless most of the time. So, yeah, I hope that isn't too intimidating for a lot of people. Like, trust me, you're going to go through a lot of your degree and a lot of your course and just realize how little you know in a sense. Like, you you will always... There's no such thing as ever knowing enough. So it's a constant, it's a constant journey and it's definitely interesting. So thank you for that insight. Um, okay, so any questions that I might have for you? There is a question that I've discussed with other friends and other colleagues, and I honestly always find it interesting. A lot of people within the you know, top companies nowadays in terms of CEOs, a lot of people have moved from hiring people you know, with maybe, let's say, some sort of business degree to hiring engineers. To be their CEOs. For example, Microsoft, uh, you've got Jeff Bezos at, at Amazon, you've got somebody who, like Elon Musk, who is a self-proclaimed engineer. What do you think the correlation is between, you know, the fact that there are currently more CEOs in the top 100 uh, companies, in the top 100 companies in terms of the Forbes list, there are more people who have an engineering degree than, a, than, a, than an MBA. Mm-hmm. What is your take on that? Um, so I have been listening to, uh, I mean, I've been watching a bit more YouTube than I should have been over the last few days since the holiday started. Um, and listening to Elon Musk talk about why he thinks there are more engineers in the top, um, in top positions or CEOs in many of, in many large corporations, uh, in the world. And his, point of view is that there are too many MBAs running large companies and this may be to its detriment because instead of focusing on the business aspect only instead of just focusing on advertising and all the bells and whistles one should focus on and the actual product that's being sold and making sure that that product is uh, something of quality and I agree with that I think when something of quality is being sold to you whether that be a service 
or a physical product, it speaks for itself when it's of good quality. And I think when the focus becomes that, engineers become important. And it's not just engineers because of their qualification, but because of their problem-solving ability. And I think that's what makes it makes engineers so important in the work environment, not because of the title, but because of the skills that you develop over time. And that skill is definitely problem-solving, whether that be in computer science or electrical engineering or mechanical engineering, whatever it may be, whatever your speciality is, you can apply that problem-solving ability to any sector of work, whether that be in economics, in medicine, in agriculture, or any other sector. What is your take on it? I find that your insight is very interesting, definitely. I, I like your idea. So the one thing I wanted to ask you as well, so you say that the thing that's most important is not the degree as it in itself, which I agree with, it's the problem-solving skills. Do you believe that, in your own opinion, I know that I believe that you know a problem-solver is an engineer and an engineer is a problem-solver, so you could be an accountant and a problem-solver and still be you know relevant, so... It's those problem-solving skills that have become, you know, synonymous with engineers and our degree. But do you think that those problem-solving skills that are required in industry nowadays and in major corporations, do you think it, it extends to those outside of this course? So I understand what you're saying in that it's, I don't think problem-solving is just uh, a trait of an engineer or an engineering student. I do think that Anybody can have that just because you are in the medical field or in finance or agriculture or whatever it may be. Um, that doesn't mean that you can't have that. I think it's a life skill. I think it's how people get by. And it, it's beneficial to any employer. It, it's beneficial in your personal life. Yeah. So what, yeah. what do you think? I definitely agree with you. And since this podcast is uh, coming to a close... Um, my final piece of advice is not just to our engineering students, it's to everybody. Be the problem solver in your own sector, be the innovator, be the person who questions things and reimagines things, you know. We live in a world where we're constantly optimizing everything. So be the person who drives your field forward. I hope that you can be those people with that mindset of, I'm here to solve the problems that, you know, we as whoever we are, you know, whoever you are in your field or whatever you are studying, you know, be that person who is driving the, the revolution, driving the, you know, the movement of, of you and your field. So that is my final piece of advice to the listeners. Thank you, Mitch, for your thoughtful and insightful advice. I'm sure our listeners have taken away some useful information that is applicable to their day-to-day -day life. And I hope you have also enjoyed the conversation today. Thank you again for having me. Honestly, I have enjoyed the conversation and I look forward to working with you and the Golden Key uh, student chapter in the future as well. Thank you once again. Thank you again, Mitch, for joining us today. And to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in to our episode. I hope you enjoyed this session as much as I did. Please follow us on all of our social media platforms, goldenkey underscore UJ for more updates on the new podcast episodes. Thank you so much for your time. Remember to sanitize and mask up, stay golden and stay safe. Love and light to you all.